Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, what is going on? What is going on? Um, well, it's, you know, spring, the daffodils are coming up. Oh, They're one of my favorite flowers. And I just love to walk around the neighborhood right now. So, you just, yeah. yeah. You just totally yeah. give me flashbacks because, I, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and we right. actually had the daffodil parade through Puyallup, a little town. Oh, and right. it was all the floats had daffodils. I love daffodils and we have none here in the, you know, flat well, state of Nebraska. Yeah. And they weren't very common in New Mexico either, but yes, I do love the daffodils. So yeah, it's great. Well, I have two guests today. Yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, we, we got a chance to talk just a little bit before we hit the record button and you are going to have an amazing conversation. I do think so as well. Um, We are going to interview La Day Araba, make sure I get that right, um, who's with the Alpha Mundi Foundation, and also Haley Mundava. I think I said that right. Um, so they're going to come on and we're going to talk about the work that they're doing in Africa and Latin America and the work they do to strengthen the communities in there. So welcome, Lade and Haley. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Huh. So I, I have these amazing bios about the two of you, and I want to just mention some of the, um, the things in here and, and you can stop me or you can add to it, but, uh, the work you've done in the past Lade is amazing. Um, right now you're the executive director of Alpha Mundi foundation or AMF. Um, and you've had some amazing experiences beyond that. So you did, uh, finance development, um, for, you know, 20 years, right. And prior to being the executive director at Alpha Mundi Foundation, you were the managing director for Africa at Convergence Blended Finance. I love this Africa finance, all super important things. Um, uh, you've, you've had a lot of experiences. One of the things that really stood out to me is you served as the technical advisor to the executive secretary of the UN Economic Commission for Africa. It's a mouthful, (laughs) but what, what that just sounds like amazing work. Um, And let's see, you have a master's in business administration. So an MBA and you have a dual bachelor of business administration and management information systems. So very well educated. I appreciate that. what else? Oh, oh, here's what I thought was interesting. You're fluent in French and Italian, and you have basic knowledge of Spanish. So I'm going to say I have decent Spanish and um, basic, basic knowledge of French. <laughs> That's kind of the opposite of you. Yeah. 
what else should we highlight about your, your work? I mean, there's so many amazing things that you've done. I think just my passion really for supporting development in Africa by leveraging the private sector and private investment. So thinking about making the sustainable development goals investable as opposed to only dependent on donor funding or grants philanthropy. That is something that I feel very strongly about and resonates throughout my career. I can see that. And I'm glad you mentioned the SDGs because I think we'll probably bring those up again. Well, let me also uh, introduce Haley. Uh, she's currently the communications lead for AMF. And oh, this I didn't mention. So Lade, you are in Kenya, correct? Yes. Yes, That's correct. Yeah. And Haley is in uh, Rwanda. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. And then we're, of course, here in the U.S. So I just love these connections. Uh, you have, Haley, you have seven years of experience working at the intersection of communications and development. Um, you know, those are, uh, the development part is is amazing. Um, you, let's see, I'm just kind of skimming through here. Prior to joining AMF, you founded a social enterprise called Thrive Hire and worked in communications roles for organizations in Rwanda, Tanzania, Cambodia, Canada, all over the place. And you have a master's degree in global public health and a bachelor's in global resource systems. I'm not sure what that second one is, but <laughs> great. Uh, and this is something I love you put in here when you're not working, you are hiking or getting lost in a good book. Absolutely. No, for sure. Well, yeah. Rwanda is a perfect place for that, Kim. There's a, as, as I was just telling you, there's so many hills, there's hikes right behind our place. So uh, any excuse I have for that, I will always seek it out. Yeah, me too. And I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have, I was in Africa in November and mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful place. Uh, it, of course you have to be careful just going out and walking and hiking, but it's, you know, it's all good. Um, Latte, why don't you um, tell us a little bit more about you? Uh, you just told me you have a very small child, which is excellent. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to talk just a, a little bit about your passion for finance and the intersection of gender equality, climate, and, uh, and, and why those things? I mean, how did that happen for you? Well, I've, I've had a pretty um, interesting career, Kim, and, and thank you again for the invitation and your very warm and kind uh, introduction. I've had the pleasure of working in various countries across Africa, um, financing infrastructure projects, so primarily power plants. These are the large power plants that are connected to the national grids to provide electricity um, in Africa, upwards of 600 million people don't have access to regular, reliable and affordable electricity, which is still shocking in yeah. 2023. So that for me was a very fulfilling part of my career because I could see the direct impact of our work on communities, economies, countries more broadly. While I was doing that, I also noticed that most of the transactions that we were doing were in urban areas and were re really catering to sort of the middle and upper classes. And I had the chance to travel to rural areas because part of our due diligence would be to actually go to the field, to the project site 
And I've been on some very scary rides where, you know, untarred roads, I thought we were going to fall off a cliff at some point um, just to go see this project site and ensure that it was legitimately um, a project. And while (laughs) going on these trips, you know, I would also see just the difference in the quality of life of people living in these rural you know, marginalized areas. And that just always bothered me. Um, And of course, we know that they are already very vulnerable to any kind of external macroeconomic shock. And then you factor in climate change, and they're the ones who, you know, when there's floods, they're the ones who have uh, what little they have um, washed away. When there's drought, they're the ones, you know, whose farm animals, uh, unfortunately, you know, might die or their crops uh, don't uh, germinate and, you know, they have no produce and, you know, you start to talk about famine and hunger. So they're already living in very harsh conditions. And then, of course, once these external uh, factors uh, come in, they then um, have even less than what they started with. And then on top of that is the fact that women <laughs> generally are even more marginalized and disadvantaged. And I tend to read a lot and I'm a bit nerdy. So some of the things that I love <laughs> books, you know, nonfiction, you know, biographies, whatnot, but I also like reading reports about development and stats. Oh, so wow. I would, read, I would read things like the UN, UNDPs, which is the development program. They have this annual report that they publish on human development um, indicators. And they talk about, you know, human development in all the developing countries around the world. And so I would look at, you know, stats for men and women in various countries. And what I noticed was a trend or a pattern in Africa that for the most part, you would always find that women only achieved maybe 70% of the human development outcomes that men would achieve. So whether it was in terms of life expectancy, um, access to healthcare, education, you know, economic opportunities, all of that, you would always find that women, so if, if you're talking women about and people, girls, definitely yeah, lie behind. Girls. So if you're talking yeah. about people who are disadvantaged, invariably, you know, the women would be even more disadvantaged. And that just always bothered me. So um, how to address this, knowing that there's limited, you know, funding from philanthropy, from official development assistance, donors, and, and others, you know, corporates who fund these types of activities. But then you look at the private sector, and there's just so much capital that is being invested, sometimes in things that don't make sense. I mean, we've all seen these stories about, you know, these billion dollar startups, unicorns, right. that then go bust, where they discover that it was all, you know, smoke and mirrors, like there's no, there's no substance to the startups and all of these resources are being wasted, whereas they could be utilized effectively to transform the lives of people, but also build stronger economies in emerging markets. Um, So just, you know, I've always been fascinated with trying to get, you know, funding from the private sector into these types of projects. That's, that's amazing work. And um, I'm just kind of stuck on the fact that you like to read those reports. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) you know there's some in-depth stuff in there and that's great um what i want to do now is uh talk about your current work with the alpha mundi foundation and um uh let's talk about smes small and middle um enterprises middle-sized enterprises so 
tell the average listener, I don't know who wants to take this question, Haley or Lade, um, jump in either way. Tell the average listener what that means in terms of investing for impact. And if you want, you can start out with a little bit of uh, background about the foundation too. Of course. Um, Haley, I, I can start and, you know, please uh, jump in. So Alcimony Foundation um, is a 501c3 um, in the, the DC area. So it's incorporated in DC. It was started um, about seven years ago and has really worked to support small and medium enterprises, both in Africa as well as Latin America. And it has always operated with a gender lens. So meaning that it's not only looking to build better performing businesses that incorporate environmental sustainability into their operations, but it also wants to be intentional about gender diversity, equity, and inclusion. So more women on management teams and the C-suite on boards and across the workforce. Um, So we're very proud of the work that we do. And we have been providing technical assistance to these companies. We have supported over 70 projects um, with 29 SMEs across 12 countries and both regions. And from our modest contributions through technical assistance, these companies have been able to catalyze over $35 million in private investment. And they've also leveraged an additional 28 million from other uh, private investment vehicles. So this is what I mean about you know, getting private investors to think strategically about their investment portfolios beyond just traditional asset classes or investing in developed markets, but really looking for opportunities where their capital can also generate a positive social and environmental um, impact while at the same time um, generating attractive risk-adjusted returns for them as investors. Let me pause and really jump in. Yeah. Uh, Well, and let me just say before uh, Haley jumps in, um, it's, it's such important work uh, trying to move capital into these areas and into this type of work. And it's, it's difficult. And I do want to say to the listeners that, you know, for anyone who might be interested in this, it's really for high net worth investors. So uh, the average investor, unfortunately, cannot just, you know, plop $500 in there, but um, it's, it's amazing. And again, if you are interested, please consult your personal financial advisor. So this is not a recommendation to invest. I just want to be clear (laughs) about that. Um, But I, I do love the mission and I love what's um, what's happening there. Uh, So Haley, what do you want to add? And, and I, yeah. I want to get into it when we're done with this part, I'm going to get into the theory of change, but uh, let's hold off on that for a minute. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think maybe to get to your question, Kim, about, you know, the impact side of, of small and medium sized enterprises or SMEs for short, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, they truly are the the backbone of economies, you know, because they play ultimately a vital role in you know, driving economic growth, creating jobs, fostering innovation. So, you know, just an interesting stat on job creation. I think I read it according to the International Trade Center, SMEs account for roughly 70% of employment in low-income countries and around 90% of employment in middle-income countries. So essentially, they're just a crucial engine for job creation and economic development. Um, and I'd say another thing is, is it really comes down to innovation. You know, SMEs are often 
uh, I would say more innovative than larger firms simply because mm. they're more agile. You know, they're yes. able to quickly respond to changing market conditions in a way that, you know, larger, more bureaucratic institutions can't. So, you know, clearly, as we're seeing at Alpha Mundi Foundation, you know, there's just been incredible products and services that are coming out of SMEs in Africa and Latin America. And, you know, we've truly enjoyed being able to support those those organizations to offer that value, you know, to drive, you know, uh, to create jobs and drive more economic growth uh, within their communities. So when you're look, when you're talking about this uh, work that you're doing with the SMEs and and um, the the stats were amazing right there. Can you tell us, tell the listeners, what percentage of women are with, through your work um, being employed? Because this is important in Africa and um, South America finding good employment. Who wants to Absolutely. Take that? <laughs> so what you find is that it varies by company, by sector and by region. So there's some sectors where naturally um, they tend to be, you know, gender inclusive. So when you think about agriculture um, in Africa, as an example, women play an important role. And so you'll find that, you know, a lot of the smallholder farmers um, are actually female. And they do the primary cultivation and then, you know, the men are involved further up the value chain. Um, so in a sector like agriculture, we see a very strong female representation in others like renewable energy, for instance, um, or even financial services. We know that there is um, a shortage of female representation and that women tend to be marginalized uh, in those sectors. So what we do is on a case by case basis is to carry out a gender diagnostic to first of all, understand where the, you know, the companies that we support um, are with regards to gender diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, and from there, they either are already working on it or they're willing to receive technical assistance to develop a strategy for increasing female representation within their workforces or in management and on their boards, as, as I stated previously. And so what we found generally is that for all the companies that we've worked with, um, to varying degrees, they have been able to considerably um, increase the percentage of women in their workforces and also in the different types of roles. Oftentimes we wouldn't see as many women in technical positions and it was typically for, you know, social and cultural or religious reasons. And after incorporating some of the, you know, gender inclusive strategies and changes, we noticed that they were able to increase female um, participation. So um, I think Haley might have um, some more stats on the actual averages, but I know that it varies by, by company and also by, by sector. Well, let's uh, throw out some of those stats. I, I know Eric is back there behind the scenes, loving statistics. <laughs> He's I'm a nerd. So I'm such a nerd. <laughs> he, he is a nerd. Um, so let's talk about statistical uh, nerdy things for a minute. <laughs> so Haley, what what can you add to that part of the conversation? Yeah. So um, just building off what Lottie said, it definitely varies by the sector. Um, like I just have it in front of me uh, in terms of, you know, some of our impact highlights uh, and, and some of the employees that we've been able to support through these businesses over the first six years. Um, we've been specifically able to support um, just over 24,000 smallholder farmers. So as Lottie mentioned, majority Wait, of those are women. 24,000? 24, 24,000, yes. Wow. Um, so very wide reach. 
Um, uh, I don't have the specific stats on gender within that, but on average, I think it's about roughly 70% of smallholder farmers are women. So um, yeah, and then in terms of overall employees, uh, through, again, the businesses that we've been able to support, uh, we've supported just over 1,800 employees, and within that, uh, around 475 have been women. So we're still working to increase that uh, representation. But as Lottie mentioned, you know, it also, it's not just about you know, supporting and hiring female employees, uh, but it's also about their positions. We want to see simply more women in senior level positions, you know, the ones who are actually influencing strategies, agendas, decision making. And I think ultimately at the end of the, the day too, we also have to acknowledge that when it comes to addressing massive issues like gender equity, right, this is a structural challenge. Like Laude was mentioning, you know, there's uh there's norms that often, you know, we have to slowly work towards addressing. We have to absolutely do it in a way that's culturally appropriate, and that takes time. So these are just some of the initial figures from the first six years of our work, but we expect, you know, as we work towards trying to address some of these bigger structural challenges, if we're going to do it in a sustainable way, we, we just expect to see those numbers increase. That is um, amazing. I, I really love talking about work uh, being done in, in Africa. Um, I'm not as familiar with work in South America, but uh, the the work that other folks as well are doing in Africa is amazing. I did a podcast um, <clears throat> in December, uh, two podcasts, 81 and 80, uh, about my recent trip to Africa, to Southern Africa. And I really was working with an organization who supports girls and, and young boys as well, um, teaching them how to respect each other and um, helping the girls get educated. And, and that is going to also help with the work you're doing, because the more we educate, especially girls in Africa, uh, the more likely we are to have more female employees. <laughs> so it's amazing. Um, let's, oh, I know what I want to ask before I go into this theory of change, which I find really interesting. Um, can you explain exactly what you mean by technical assistance? Absolutely. Um, technical assistance covers a multitude of activities and interventions, and it happens before an investment, during an investment, or even after an investment. It might provide for capacity building for a company. It could be upskilling their management teams. Um, it could also be improving or strengthening their financial controls if they don't already have those. Um, helping companies to be more formal in their operations. Sometimes we meet companies who haven't been recording their financial statements or producing financial statements. Um, it's difficult to go to an investor if you don't have financial mm. statements and audited right. statements, yeah. which are preferable. So it's it's all of that. Um, with the TA that we have that we've provided, it has focused on you know some capacity building and training for teams and management. But we've also supported companies to do research and development. Um, so as Haley alluded to earlier, we have companies that are innovating and they're coming up with very interesting products and services that are serving society and that are also improving the lives of those who are considered to be low income and generally don't have access to the types of products and services that these companies are providing. So as an example, one company that we're working with right now is producing um, well, they've actually developed a prototype for a solar-powered refrigerator that utilizes a half-lithium 
um, battery and, you know, a water battery. So wow. it's an innovation that they have been working on. You know, we supported them to do R&D. They've come up with this prototype. They are manufacturing the initial set of 20 refrigerators that they will test in the market. And then the plan, of course, is as they, you know, tweak the prototype, they will be able to mass produce this refrigerator that is affordable. And oh, it will well, that's important. Refrigeration. Yes. And then it'll provide refrigeration in a sustainable manner to people in rural areas, smallholder farmers, and, you know, people who generally would not even be able to afford a refrigerator just given, you know, the high cost. Um, and also because it's solar powered, it means it's, you know, it's rugged. It's it can free. withstand, you know, the challenges of being in an area that is not electrified. So these are the types of things that our technical assistance um, has provided. So it means a lot of different things, but ultimately it's helping the company to improve its business performance and also create social impact. That's great. A refrigerated uh, food is a, certainly an important piece to add to some of those rural communities. So that's, that's very exciting. I wouldn't mind having a solar <laughs> refrigerator myself. So <laughs> that's great. Um, let's, let's talk about AMF's theory of change and, and how, it, you know, it, I want you to tell us what that means and how it affects the work that you do. Um, Haley, do you want to start? Shall I start? <laughs> sure. I can, I can start Lottie and then, yeah, uh, do, uh, do add, um, but yeah, maybe just to get to your question, Kim, in terms of the theory of change, I think the idea with uh, the Alpha Mundi Foundation is, you know, we really recognize that, you know, companies face barriers to um, finding ways to scale their organizations. And one of the biggest things that we've realized over the years is that one of those big barriers is incorporating gender and climate smart practices. And essentially some of those specific barriers, you know, can be lack of access to resources. So anything from knowledge. So going back to Lottie's um, insights on technical assistance, you know, that really tries to address this knowledge gap that companies can face when it comes to, you know, growing their organizations. But yeah, essentially all of this can impact their ability to scale both their social impact and their financial returns. So we've acknowledged that. And then when it comes down to what we do, we, we work towards addressing it by offering various structured blended finance products with the goal to really, again, address those barriers of a lack of access to knowledge and a lack of access to financing to help them grow. Um, so I guess, what does that look like on a, on a more you know, granular level? Um, essentially, we provide portfolio companies with things such as technical assistance, um, but we offer additional blended finance products. So anything from concessional loans to um, returnable grants. Lotte can certainly speak more to that. Yeah, I do want to come. I do want to talk about that, but let's uh, let's just kind of wrap around our wrap our heads around this theory of change and um, how you scale this work with the the, the SMEs. From our experience in our data, um, we've noticed anecdotally that of you know for every hundred companies that we screen in our pipeline maybe two end up being investable. So anecdotally, what we've realized is that the majority of SMEs are not investable. Um, a traditional private investor would not consider them to be an attractive investment opportunity. They would be considered too risky. And so it's difficult for these companies to raise the capital that they need to grow and to scale. 
And we did, you know, some legwork to understand why so many companies are not investable. And it was things around, you know, limited uh, management capacity. Um, again, the lack of formal structures and processes, financial con uh, controls, financial statements, a lack of understanding of research and development, sales and marketing, you know, product placing, finding product market fit and so on. So it's, it will always be difficult for most companies in these markets to access capital because they just will never meet the investment criteria right. of traditional investors. So we started thinking um, if SMEs are the engine of any economy, because again, they create jobs, they manufacture um, goods, they provide services that add value to local economies, then that means that we will always continue to have, you know, very small companies that never scale, many of them going out of business. Um, and that is not really creating long-term impact. And I think this for us became very apparent with the COVID-19 pandemic, because mm. what we saw in the last three years is that, I don't know, upwards of 70% of companies went out of business because yeah. they weren't able to operate. They didn't have access to capital, you know, and so all it's of the not like they had they had the uh, access to those. Uh, uh, I can't remember think of what they are, but the loans that um, com companies got here in the U.S. I'm sure yeah. that wasn't available. So, yeah. So, so relief. I mean, maybe yeah. some countries did, but for the majority, you know, they didn't have access to those social safety nets. So what that means is, you know, we can support small companies, and then some external shock happens, and then they go out of business, and then we've lost the jobs for good. Mm. And most likely those people then become worse off than they were before they started that job. So we're thinking, how can we help more companies to become commercially viable in the longer run and also to then become attractive to investors so that they're able to raise capital on their own fundamentals and they no longer need grants. They don't need technical assistance. They might utilize it for the first couple of years, but then subsequently, because it's a business that performs um, it's a business that uh, generates revenues. Um, it's a business that is able to create value for society. Then that's how we create sustainable companies and also sustainable development and sustainable impact. And at the same time, we're not compromising on the bottom line. So we're still supporting companies that will be able to generate attractive risk-adjusted returns to investors. So wow. our theory of change is if we can get you know, to move the needle from 2% to 20%, we're not thinking that, you know, we're the silver bullet that's going to solve. You're not going to get to 100. Yeah. Right. But if yeah. we can get 20% of companies um, to be investable, that's 18% more that are raising capital, that are employing people, that are paying living wages. And that trickles down. Um, so, in terms right, because then they're going to spend more and they're going to support other other exactly. folks. I, I'm going to um, I want to pause for a second, Lydia, because we are running out of time <laughs> and I have a million questions for you. So no. uh, would you be uh, both you and Haley willing to do a second podcast with me? Um, certainly. OK, wonderful. Absolutely. So I want to pause right here because, um, you know, I, I'm thinking on the second podcast, we can talk about uh, more about the um, structured uh, finance pro projects, uh, or, you know, how that works. And then I want to talk about the impact uh, and get some real stories from you.
both uh, on, about the work you're doing on the ground. So thank you for joining me today. Eric, do you have questions on any I, of this? I, I don't. So here's the thing. What I do have <laughs> is I'm, I'm absolutely blown away. Uh, Lade and Haley, thank you so much for being here. Kim, you, you bring on powerful, strong, independent women that just know what they're doing, right? I mean, they, they've learned it from wherever. Plan. I know, right? I mean, so <laughs> I, I'm blessed because, again, you and I have talked about this. I was pretty uh, self-centered, 18, 19-year-old dude who didn't know any better than, you know, a, a guy is a guy and a girl is a girl and yada, yada, yada. But here's the thing is that <laughs> now that I have a daughter and I have two granddaughters, more and more I benefit from the conversations you're having, from, <laughs> from the strong women that you bring on and have great conversations, world changers, game changers. And so I, I just appreciate it. I really yeah. appreciate it. I've just kind of been soaking it in and, and I did geek it's, out on some of the stats. <laughs> right, it, it's a really great information. And yeah. you know, we are talking about uh, ultimately an, an investment and, uh, and the impact that that has. And so I just wanna remind our listeners, if they really wanna get a sense of the impact of their personal portfolios, I know Johan Klassen at Horizons main office would love to talk to you about that. And you mm -hmm. can reach him at info at horizonssfs.com, or you can call him on the phone, which, you know, people still do 505-982-9661. And of course you can reach me as well at Kim at horizonssfs.com. And I know that some people aren't going to want to wait to the second podcast to get more information. So how can they get information about our guests? Haley? Absolutely. So uh, you can visit our website at alphamundifoundation.org. Um, you can also uh, visit our social media channels. So we're on both LinkedIn and Twitter at alphamundifdn. FDN. Okay. Fantastic. Both of you, thank you so much for being amazing guests. Of course, Kim, thank you for facilitating this. And I'm I'm really looking forward to the next podcast. I'm so Me excited. Me too. Yeah. And hopefully <laughs> you are too. And thank yeah. you so much for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you both. Yeah. You, you bet. Well, this is this is all Kim. She she sets all this stuff up. She's the genius behind it. I just sit here <laughs> and learn. So again, thank you both for being on the podcast. Kim, again, thank you for facilitating this. And our last thank you always goes to your listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast, reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor 
can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.